0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Before we go into our episode today, I want to share something that I wish I knew about when I gave birth, and that is CBR, Cord Blood Registry. Have you guys heard of it? It pretty much will give any parents peace of mind as they are raising their little ones. And even as they get older, pretty much what cord blood is, is a leftover blood in the umbilical cord after birth. Cord tissues is a cord itself, and it both contains powerful stem cells that could be used. Look, the biggest fear for any parent is that something could happen to their child early on or in the future, right? The incredible thing about cord blood stem cells is that it can already help treat over 80 conditions like certain cancers and sickle cells anemia, plus there's research in progress for even more potential uses. Core tissue stem cells are also showing a lot of promises in regenerative medicine. Over 200 clinical trials have been initiated worldwide to potentially help treat conditions that can occur over a lifetime like brain injuries, cardiovascular disease, and autoimmune disorders like lupus. Look, none of us want these things to happen to our kids, but let's face it, we live in uncertain times and it's always best to prepare. The thing is, parents only get one chance to collect these newborn stem cells, and that is at birth. It is such a simple process and only takes a few minutes for the OB or midwife to do, and it's completely painless. These cells are genetically unique. Baby is 100% matched to their own stem cells, and full siblings have a 75% chance of being at least a partial match. The stem cells get cryogenically frozen, and they can be used for decades to come. CBR is a number one OB recommended family bank, and they are also the number one choice of expectant parents. Over 1 million parents have stored with CBR and is the most experienced stem cell bank and the leader in the industry. Visit cordblood.com and use code BUMO for 60% off of CBR's newborn stem cell bundle, which includes both cord blood and cord tissue banking. Harness the possibilities and visit cordblood.com today. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Today we are talking about all things pumping and breastfeeding and milk with Melissa of Pump Mama Pump. Oh my goodness. I wish I discovered her earlier on when I just gave birth to my girls because I had my own struggles with breastfeeding. Her goal is to bring education, motivation, and support for new moms. We talk a lot about things that new moms are completely unaware of going into motherhood, going into breastfeeding, and personally things I wish I knew about. We talk about what to do when you have little to no milk supply. Do you give up? Do you continue pressing on? At what point is it okay to just give up? or when you have oversupply, what to do when you get mastitis. I mean, the most painful thing in the world, basically. Benefits of bottle feeding. When is the right time to introduce the bottle to your baby? And tips for working moms and just so much more. With that said, here's our conversation. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the pod. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks so much
0: for having me on today.
1: Yes, of course. I'm really excited to be talking to you because I discovered you through Instagram and I wish I knew about you when I became a new mom, because this is such great information, especially for new parents. Um, So just to jump right in, I mean, pumping, right? That is what you focus on. And that is such a specific topic. Um, How did you get into kind of this field of educating and motivating mothers on pumping?
0: Absolutely. It definitely is a niche field there. I mean, there's so much attention and support and education given to breastfeeding in general, which is awesome. And it just continues to improve over the years to support breastfeeding mothers. But there's not a lot of education and support and positive support for breast pumping, especially exclusive pumping, Mothers, um, which is a term that means instead of nursing breastfeeding, they exclusively pump. And um, my first child was born a month early, so it landed him a brief NICU stay. And I didn't have that nursing relationship, I just assumed that I'd have with him. So the nurses in the neonatal intensive care unit taught me how to exclusively use a pump instead. And it ended up working so well for my family that. I just kept doing it. And then I chose to do it with my second child.
1: So that is how you got into this kind of topic of pumping is because you experienced it yourself as a first time mother, exclusively pumping. So there's a lot of new parents that listen to this podcast. So can you give me some scenarios of mothers that have to exclusively pump? Um, What does that mean? Because I personally never experienced just exclusively pumping. So can you kind of explain what type of scenarios that that would actually look like? Oh, absolutely.
0: Um, So a very common one is an unsuccessful latch, meaning that baby is possibly experiencing a lip tie or a tongue tie or something that's prohibiting that latch on the breast to be successful removal of the milk. So that, And I,
1: that's quite common. I've heard that many times before, right? Yeah,
0: that's a super common one. NICU stays are, are really common where mother is separated from baby and needs to provide the milk. And I mean, there's a myriad of reasons, but uh, a reason that I try to shed light on is choice, which is um, in some other countries completely unheard of. And it's becoming more and more popular in the States is when a mother chooses to exclusively pump completely by choice and I like to support any pumping mother no matter whether they're exclusively pumping or not but I do um, being someone who chose it myself I do like to shed light on that is a personal choice as well
1: so exclusively pumping meaning that child will never go onto the breast correct? yes
0: there's no direct and why would you,
1: got it and besides the fact that that let's say baby cannot latch on or let's say the NICU experience, why would women choose to exclusively pump if they don't have those issues and why would they do so?
0: Yeah, um, just as though there's a number of reasons that they have to pump, There could be a number of reasons that they're choosing to pump. There's a thing called nursing aversion, which means there's some sort of um, trauma, perhaps PTSD in the mother's history that direct latching really brings up some really strong negative emotions. So there's an emotional um, disconnect there. Sometimes it's logistics, maybe wanting their partner to um, provide 50-50 care with them, both the feeding and the care of the baby, Perhaps they realize that they're going to go to back, back to work really soon, and they just want to jump right into pumping and um, have a smooth transition for childcare. I really could go on and on. There's so many reasons that someone might choose it. But what I also like to point out is that when there's an unsuccessful latch and a mother is exclusively pumping, it's still a choice. And while they might not get the breastfeeding relationship that they thought they were going to get, they're still making that choice to sacrifice their body and their time to pump for their baby um, when formula is also a choice. But Mm -hmm. the mothers who exclusively pump, I want them to be empowered by that choice that they're still able to give breast milk, even though they're not directly nursing.
1: I love that. And I love that you talk about choice because I think a lot of women, especially new moms going into this, they feel like they don't have a choice. They feel like they only have one thing. And I think it's really the media that portrays how amazing breastfeeding is, which it is. Um, and I'm not denying that. No. But the fact that that has all of a sudden become such the topic of new moms, right? So they almost feel guilty whether they decide to choose formula, whether they decide to choose exclusively Um, pumping, but no, we do have choices. Right. And that's really up to us to make those choices for our our child and what's good for even our own mental kind of sanity and our, you know, physical bodies, as you mentioned. So.
0: Oh yeah. And that mom guilt, that is a real thing. And I like to help some women realize that, um, what they're really experiencing is grief over those expectations that they thought they'd have and allowing themselves to name that emotion as grief really takes some of that guilt away and that shame away because pumping shouldn't be something that's associated with guilt or shame. You know, it should be empowering. You should feel like you're still giving baby all the benefits of breastfeeding, including bonding, which is something that people really think they're missing out. Um, but holding baby close to the body, doing lots of skin to skin, having their partner or other family members holding and bonding with baby can still 100% happen through exclusive pumping.
1: I love that. And I, now that I think about it, you know, situation is a little different now as a lot of parents are working from home, but pre-COVID, parents you know, they had to jump right back into work. Moms had to jump right back into work. So I would imagine that exclusively pumping would was probably quite a popular choice that working moms had to make, correct?
0: Yeah, sometimes they do switch over to it, um, especially if pumping is going really well and they just want to continue the bottle feeding at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Are there some things that, new moms don't really know about until they actually start pumping. Like, I I personally have a few things because um, I'm a mom of two and I'm like, oh, how come I didn't know this? But I would love to hear from you. What are like the most common things that you hear from moms about when they do start pumping?
0: Yeah, I'll give you a few common things. But I want to hear, you said there were things that you didn't know. What didn't you know?
1: I did not know that when I start pumping, that it actually encourages my body to create more milk. So I thought that was really cool. I was not one of those mothers that had loads of breast milk um, in the beginning. So I was pumping quite a bit in order for me to create that demand. So I thought that was really cool that I didn't know that pumping could actually help create milk for you.
0: Yeah, that's one reason that um, a lactation professional will discourage pumping early on because they want that um, the direct, I keep saying direct nursing, it's all under the umbrella of breastfeeding, but direct nursing as in latching. Um, They want that relationship and that latch to be assessed and to really take hold before mom starts bottle feeding or starts pumping. And they want um, the mother to have their baby bring in their milk supply. But you're absolutely right. Any removal of milk can help bring in and protect your milk supply. So pumping is part of that because you're removing milk from your baby. You're demanding more milk from your body. And something that moms don't realize is that that introduction to the bottle should be done pretty early, at the least two weeks before they begin um, sending their baby to be with a caregiver or leaving their baby with a caregiver, Um, Mm. because you want that trial period to start with a bottle because you never know what bottles baby might enjoy and what ones they might not take successfully to. So sometimes they have to try several different nipples, several different bottles. And there's also something called an automatic suck reflex. When um, a, a nipple, whether it be a mother's nipple or a bottle nipple, touches or tickles the roof of baby's mouth, they automatically begin to suck. And as a baby ages, they lose that automatic suck reflex. So introducing a a bottle more early on, they say within like the first six to 10 weeks of the baby's life, they really have a good, strong automatic suck reflex and they'll have better chances of baby taking a bottle without much trouble.
1: That's so interesting. I had no idea. So it just naturally comes to them, like mm-hmm. just that sucking reflux. Mm-hmm. and they lose it eventually. and there's, That makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. And there's other trial and error that has to happen before a woman goes back to work, especially having someone else feed the baby, right? Baby's really, really used to nursing off of mom, and all of a sudden you're leaving them with a, a caregiver or a partner, and you never know how baby's going to react. Sometimes- yeah it's better if the mom leaves the house. So the baby can't smell them at all. There's a smell is a huge, a huge pull for baby to go to the breast. Um, because mm. moms have a certain smell and there's actually Montgomery glands around your nipple on your areola that secrete an oil that protects the nipple. And it also secretes a scent to bring baby to the breast. So that sometimes is so wild.
1: I had no idea.
0: It's those little bumps that you get around your nipple. are yeah. Montgomery glands. So sometimes if mom's there, baby's not going to take a bottle because they can smell and sense mom's presence. Um, and then there's another school of thought that when you're leaving a baby and a bottle with a caregiver, you should leave something of the mother's like a shirt that they wore to bed or a blanket that they um, spent a lot of time with to have mom's scent. So, Because there's so much trial and error, one thing I always tell working moms is to try this early, at least two weeks before they go back to work so you can figure all that stuff out.
1: Yeah, it's so true because I remember I did my first and second quite differently. My first, you know, we didn't introduce the bottle early on. So making that transition was quite hard. And then with my second, we did introduce it early on and it was just a lot easier for her to transition over. So, yeah, I, I totally validate that point of introducing it earlier is a lot easier for for parents. OK, something that I wanted to bring up because another thing that I didn't know about that I've experienced that was incredibly painful that I feel like not many women talk about because I didn't even know that it, it existed. It's called mastitis. Um And I'm sure a lot of moms are familiar with it, especially new moms that are breastfeeding. But I got it both times with my Mm -hmm. first and second. And the funny thing is my left boob, it completely dried up of milk because that is where I got the mastitis. So for both times, I only fed from my right boob, which sounds so interesting. So my boobs were definitely lopsided, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but how can you explain like in, you probably understand how this happens, um, like on a more scientific level, but one, can you explain what mastitis is and how women can avoid it? Because it was so painful. I do not wish that upon anybody.
0: Yeah. The the dreaded mastitis. Yeah. It's a, it's an infection in the breast and like many infections, it comes with, fevers, body aches, flu-like symptoms, like you said, loss of supply, loss of milk supply, pain, definitely pain. And this can come from a variety of reasons a woman can get mastitis. Two of the main ones are nipple damage and unresolved clogged ducts. So um, the more I can educate and the more moms can be educated on proper nipple care and um, what to do if they get a clogged duct to avoid mastitis. So once you get it, you just have to focus on getting rid of it and caring for your body and protecting your supply. But learning about like what to do if you get a cracked nipple, um, what changes to make if your nipple is cracking or having any kind of abrasion in the first place, which could be flange sizing, maybe your nipple's rubbing your, your flange on your pump, um, could be poor latch, Could be a suction too high on the pump. And then, when you get that nipple damage and you have uh, an opening of some sort, especially if it's um, bleeding, you could get bacteria in it, which then turns into infection. So, nipple damage can lead to mastitis. And also, if you get a clogged duct, meaning that after you're done pumping, part of your breast is still hard, the milk has not vacated that part of your breast, you really have to work on relieving that clog. Clogs can last a day, two days, and you have to really focus on different ways to relieve that clog and get that milk moving, because that can also turn into mastitis.
1: Yes. This is bringing back so many memories that I I kind of forgot about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. I remember having to put hot compresses Mm on uh, my breast and also just like continuously massaging them. Um, But yeah, it was, it was quite painful, but I think for me, it was, it was kind of unresolved for the first one. So it happened again for the second one, which is so strange because it was four years later. Right. So I don't know if that's quite common.
0: Um, Do you know why you got it in the first place?
1: Um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, I I was pumping, so I don't know Mm -hmm. if I was overly pumping, which is another topic that I want to talk about, right? Because I was not producing enough. Mm -hmm. So do you have any tips for women that are just struggling to produce, um, which is also a very common kind of topic of why women decide to not continue breastfeeding? Do you have any thoughts and tips on if someone's not producing enough?
0: Oh, I do. I do. Um, undersupply or perceived undersupply can happen for a number of reasons. And surprisingly few women have a medical undersupply and um, listeners might be like, Hey, that's me. You know, it's it's a lot of people that have undersupply and that can be for so many reasons. One major reason is what the industry calls a bad start, which I think is really harsh, (laughs) but It all comes back to like those first days and the first weeks after you have baby. So right there in the hospital, hopefully you can see a lactation consultant in the hospital. Many hospitals have them on their staff 24-7 and you meet with one and they assess latch right away and they get baby latching within hours of birth. But what some women don't have access to the knowledge of is if they're separated from baby or have a medical difficulty or something for a traumatic birth experience that they need to pump within the first hours of birth if baby's not there to nurse so either the nursing has to happen right away or the pumping has to happen right away and then there has to be frequent and regular removal of milk which means mm-hmm. whether by baby or pump you have to get on that strict every 2 every 3 hours of removal of milk whether you're feeding on demand because baby is hungry every two hours or you're pumping around the clock day and night to get that milk moving. Because the more we demand milk, the more milk our body should technically make. But there's barriers with that, right? Because there's always barriers. I mean, it can't, right. it can't be easy. And part of the barriers are, you know, do you have a quality pump? What kind of pump do you have? Is your flange size right? I keep talking about flange size. That's the part that fits around your nipple. That the part of the pump that touches your breast. And I have a little I have a little breast right here. Oh,
1: I love it.
0: <laughs> um, and the nipple it pulses, right? It pulses as the pump sucks, and the flange should fit comfortably around your nipple. And your nipple should not rub the sides of the flange tunnel. And if it's too big too much of your areola, the space around your nipple shouldn't be sucked into that flange tunnel. Can
1: you show what, because sometimes even for me, I'm like, what is that area? Can you show exactly where it's supposed to fit?
0: Yeah. So I have my, my little squishy breast right here. Everyone knows what a nipple is. There it is. Um, Mm -hmm. and that can swell a little bit and elongate during pumping. But the colored area, whether it's a little pinkish or a little brownish, depending on your skin pigmentation, that's your areola. And those little bumps are the Montgomery glands that I talked about earlier. And Ah. you don't really want too much of that to be sucked into your flange tunnel, into that breast shield, some companies call it. Um, So it's kind of like a fine balance. And you can get your flange size assessed by a lactation consultant, a certified one, Um, They do flange consulting, but it's also about how it feels. Pumping can be uncomfortable, but it should never be painful. So if a woman is experiencing straight up pain during pumping, then it's time to work with a professional or work with someone who knows what they're talking about and help you problem solve however you're feeling that pain.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because I heard a lot of moms complain about Oh, it's hard, which is normal. But you know, when it does come to a point where it's like it's so painful, I could barely mm-hmm. like bear it. Then that that is problematic, right? Because it shouldn't feel that way, correct?
0: Yes, your, your okay. suction's either too high or your flange doesn't fit, or um, we didn't talk about yeast infections of the breast, which is thrush. If you're not having that proper nipple care, like I said, keeping your nipples dry, keeping your nipples clean. Some people wear those breast pads if they leak oh, a yeah. lot. You know, if they leak a lot, there's like rewashable pads, there's disposable pads. Um, especially in the summertime, if you just keep using those damp breast pads all day, every day, it creates this perfect environment for bacteria or yeast to grow. Uh. And a yeast infection of the nipple is actually... Yes, it can be itchy, like you might think it is, but it can be extremely painful, like lightning sharp pain through the the core of your breast, through the nipple, and you can't let any like fabric touch your breasts. Um, And that also comes back to nipple care.
1: Oh my goodness. I did not even know about yeast infection on the breast. That is so intriguing to me. And it sounds incredibly painful. (laughs) Uh.
0: I had the unfortunate experience of of getting that from exactly what I said. Hot so hot, sweaty summer bodies and too damp of breast pads.
1: So you want to keep your breasts dry or your nipples dry then? You don't want it to be damp or wet.
0: You want to keep them dry, or if you use some sort of lanolin or natural based nipple ointment, that's fine. That's not okay. That's not wet it 's just um, lubricated, so some of it. ointment that 's made for your nipples that 's fine, um, but after you nurse or after you pump just swiping those nipples with just water you know don 't use any soap mm-hmm. don 't use any soap, just keep them nice and dry, change your breast pads often if you 're experiencing leaking air your nipples if you if you have that kind of lifestyle where you can leave them out for a little while that 's perfect. If you have any cracking on your nipples, putting a little bit of your own breast milk mm-hmm. onto your nipples and letting them air is excellent for nipple care as well. Really? Yes. And then if you do have nipple damage, Medella and a company called Silverette make these little cups that you can put that separate your nipple from your shirt and gives them air space and helps them heal.
1: Ah, oh, wow, I never heard of that before. I did not know about applying your own breast milk onto your nipples. I mean, I mean, I've heard about breast milk being just mate like an amazing <laughs> healing factor for <laughs> so many different things, but that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Now, what if what if you have the opposite problem? What if you are producing too much? Because that could be problematic as well, correct?
0: Yes. And my answer is gonna seem like kind of a cop-out answer. My answer for overproducing moms is to talk to other overproducing moms, whether you um, follow some on social media or read some advice online given from an overproducing mom because they know exactly what you're experiencing. You know, a lactation professional can help you by giving you some kind of more generic tips and tricks. One common one is just pumping more infrequently. Or if you're Mm -hmm. nursing, block nursing, where you only do one breast for one session, the other breast for another session um, so that you're doing the opposite of what I said earlier. You're demanding less milk from your body. Mm. But my biggest advice is find someone else or multiple other people that have an oversupply and listen to their own stories and their own tips and tricks and what worked for them because they'll know exactly what you're going through.
1: I see. That makes sense. I mean, or one thing that I did not know also because there's so much emphasis on producing, right? Like creating milk for your baby on demand. But something that didn't even occur to me until I was coming towards the latter end of my breastfeeding journey was how to successfully stop the milk. And that is something that I still have a hard time kind of finding people talk about. Um, Because once your body is so used to producing milk, it will continue to produce milk, And so when I decided to stop, I was like, it was painful, right? And that's also why I got mastitis. Um, Mm. So do you have any tips on when you're coming towards the end of your breastfeeding or pumping journey?
0: Absolutely. Weaning can be as tough on a mom physically as it is mentally, because we become so, so mentally focused on producing more and more and more. And you have to really make this big mindset shift to producing less and less and less. And one thing I always say is to kind of fake yourself into getting excited about producing less milk and kind of getting used to celebrating fewer and fewer ounces pumped because you're so used to focusing on the opposite. So celebrating that your body is listening to you and that you're producing less. And one way that we can produce less is to demand less milk. So you would reduce the number of times you pump in a day. I don't suggest quitting cold turkey. If you Mm-mm. have to for a medical reason, you should do it under a doctor's care because like you said you could develop mastitis, you could develop really painful engorgement of the breast, clogged ducts. Oh. So, you either want to reduce the minutes on each pumping session or you want to space those pumping sessions further and further and further apart. And that's the one that I suggest doing is moving those sessions further apart so that maybe you get down to pumping four times a day and then three and then two. We're talking like a week or two in between each of these dropped pumps to go easy on your body and like give it the signal to start producing less but not expect it to happen overnight. So if you have like some vacation coming up or something in mind that you need to wean for, giving yourself weeks in advance to slowly drop pumps and go easy on your body. And that will actually go easier on your hormones too and your emotions because any change, any sudden change in hormones can really wreak havoc on your moods, your mental Mm -hmm. state, you know? And then there's also a level of guilt that some mothers feel with weaning because it's something that they might've taken pride in or it was a really struggle of a journey. And now they're stopping and they don't know what to do with that. So when you begin weaning and you have a goal in mind of when you want to completely stop, also plan a celebration. Also like honor your journey. Like, are you going to get breast milk jewelry? Are you going to finally indulge in a beverage that you've been missing? Are you going to um, simply like write some words of gratitude or meditate upon it? So honoring your journey and your end of your journey will really help emotionally as well.
1: I did not do that for myself, and I wish I have. I'm going to go buy myself now an overdue breast milk jewelry, as you mentioned earlier. (laughs) Um, Now, kind of going back a little bit, you know, working moms, right? Pumping is the only option that they really have at this point. Um, Of course, now with the pandemic, things have shifted a little bit now that parents are working from home more than ever. Um, but do you have any tips, helpful tips for working moms that have an incredibly busy schedule, whether it be, you know, having a device on them at all times or, you know, something practical that they can do to kind of make this journey a little easier for them?
0: Absolutely. For mothers who are returning to a workspace away from home, definitely find your company's policy for breastfeeding mothers returning to the workplace. Um, get a tour of where you're expected to pump. Because I know here in the United States, companies are legally obligated to give you a place to pump that's not a bathroom and to provide you adequate time to pump. It doesn't have to be paid time, but they have to give you time to pump. So knowing your rights going into it, they're not accommodations. Knowing your rights going into it helps you have a really productive and confident conversation with your employer about what you'll need returning to the workforce. As far as logistics, making it as easy on yourself as possible. So if at all you can have a pump to leave at work, that would be great. I know I got a second pump on Facebook marketplace of all of all places. So I got a gently used pump to keep at work. I kept a separate everything at work. So I didn't have to pack a bag every morning. I didn't think I was going to forget anything at work, which was huge mental weight off me. Um, I even had a manual pump that I kept at work in case I forgot something. So for those of you who bring pump supplies to and fro from work every day, maybe having a manual pump in your desk drawer or something or your locker at work um, as a backup can really help because you don't want to go a whole workday without pumping. And then... If you have a really, really busy schedule, like I talk to a lot of healthcare professionals that just have to be on for their entire shift. Maybe they have one brief lunch break. They do opt for a wearable pump. So we have the Willow and the LV, which are, I call them like the coconut style. They fit on your breath Mm. and they don't have any tubes. They can be a little pricey though. Um, So if you can afford that, awesome. You can pump while you work. It's really great. I use the LV. It does the job. Some people use the Free Me cups, which are like the coconut cups, and then they'll use a more um, wearable or portable pump, like the Baby Buddha pump is a favorite of mine, so that they can kind of conceal it, but still, you know, um, do charting and do things for work that they're not taken away from their work. So again, talking to other moms in your profession, how they have done it will help you have those tips and tricks to... um, make it a little easier on yourself in the workplace.
1: I do have to say, um, and this is just from my experience, um, because I started off with the general kind of Medela, which I got so used to for the three months at being home. Um, But once I started working and going back to the workplace and I started using, it wasn't the LV, it's the other one. The Willow? Yes, the Willow. Mm -hmm. It was very different. Mm -hmm. And so my, because I used to travel a lot for work pre pandemic. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I tried to figure out the willow on the plane while I was Mm -hmm. traveling. And that was pretty tragic because it takes a number of times to get used to because it is so different than what you're, what you've been using that the hospital usually kind of like generically, uh, not gives you, but recommends, which is the Medela, right? So I do have to say, for any working parents that are looking to get one of those like hand, um, those hands free pump, which is so convenient, I would say practice before you go back to the workplace because it is quite different and it is very frustrating when you can't figure it out on the spot.
0: Oh, absolutely! And like you said, there's so so much of a difference between pumps. The big names that you hear over and over again are Medela and Spectra because those are hospital strength pumps. There are really expensive pumps that you can rent like the Medela Symphony, which is a hospital grade pump. And um, those uh, that costs like $2,000 to own. So people usually rent those. But when you're used to a really strong quality pump like the Medela Pump in Style Advance or like the Spectra S1 or 2, those are the ones you hear over and over again. Trying another pump is a learning experience. You don't know how the suction's gonna feel. You don't know how to maybe center your your nipple in it, especially the coconut ones that you can't see Mm -hmm. through. And you just plop them on there, it doesn't always work the first time. Also pumps have a cycle of a suck and release and it's number of sucks per minute. I'm sure there's a better way to say that, but it, (laughs) it is literally how fast it sucks. Um, And that's different per pump. So sometimes mothers respond to one really well and not another one. Like maybe they get really great output with their baby Buddha, but not with their LV. And the LV costs like $500. So they're like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have known. Some of that you're not going to know until you actually try it. But if you have a job where you have no choice but to pump while working, one of those wearable pumps is really going to come in handy. So got to weigh your options. And it's for, those such moms, a good investment. for those moms working at home, if you're in, in Zoom meetings or WebEx meetings all day, you know how many of those I have pumped during? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Angle that camera up, put it on the top half of your face and don't worry what's going on down below. Don't reschedule your pumping around work if you can, if you can help it because you need that regular removal of milk.
1: Yeah, I mean, staying on schedule is so important for the the production of your milk supply. So, it really is. Those are really great tips. Now, uh, now that we're coming towards the end, I would love to hear, and I'm sure our listeners would love to hear kind of your recommendations on kind of your favorite products that have helped you, whether it be a pump, whether it be, I don't know, some sort of accessory that helps you pump, um, or even like a nipple cream. Is there anything that you kind of always recommend uh, moms to?
0: Yes. After, after um, let's see, I had 22 months together of exclusive pumping. So that was like 10 months for one baby and 14 months for another one. After that many months of exclusive pumping, I have found my favorites. And the love of my life is the Spectra S1 pump. That's the blue one. It looks like a little bowling ball or curling ball. I don't know, a curling stone. It's heavy but you can bring it around the house. You don't have to be attached to a wall. So that's the love of my life. Then I really love the baby Buddha pump because you can wear it. You can either clip it on or wear it on a land around your neck and it's still a really strong pump. And you can hack it with other pump parts. So I would use the same parts for Spectra and then just switch the pump depending if I had to be more mobile. So those and the Medela Harmony hand pump That's a manual pump. There's a little bit of a learning curve because you have to know how to initiate your letdown. I have a video on that. But having a manual pump really helps me unclog ducts because I would get some clogged ducts, especially because I'm a side sleeper and it would put a lot of pressure on the side of my breast. Yeah, so I'd get clogs on the sides um, because there's too much pressure. You can also get clogs from having too tight of a bra. So depending on the bras you wear and how you sleep, you can get clogs.
1: I do not um, know that.
0: And speaking, wow. of, yeah, speaking of clogs, there's a company called La Vie Mom, and they make breast massagers. Some even heat up. They're curved to fit around your breasts. And that really helps get that milk moving. Those massagers, they have a rolling one. They have, they have a few different ones. What
1: is it called again? La Vie Mom. La Vie Mom. L-A-V-I? L-A-V-I-E. L-A-V-I-E. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, They have really great massagers to get all that milk moving. I use Lactec flanges. They're silicone flanges, so they're flexible. Unlike the rigid hard ones that came with my Spectra, I switched out my flanges. They come in a variety of sizes too because I need a really small size flange so I can get the flexibility in a smaller size. And that's great when you have to be really hands-on to massage your breast while pumping. You have a flange that's flexible and you won't break that suction all the time. Got it. Um, Oh my gosh, I could really go on. You just go to my page. I have so many listed because I have such great products that I've found throughout the years. Oh, Medela wipes. Just to clean Ah. everything up between pumping. Medela makes great products for wiping and sanitization. You can sterilize with their microwave bags. Um, As far as stuff I put on my body, I always opt for a more natural rather than like, that Lanceno lanolin, which is actually like um, derived from like wool and sheep, lanolin is. So I opt to have companies like Earth Mama and Mother Love. And there's a few companies that make really quality, organic, kind of natural solutions and balms to use on your skin, to use on baby skin, to use on your nipples. And I never feel uncomfortable using
1: those natural products. I see. I love that. So where can people find you or find this information if they want to learn more about you? Sure.
0: I'm on Instagram at pump mama pump, and that's M O M M A pump mama pump on Instagram. And I have all those products and more listed in my highlights and also in the link in my bio.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Melissa. This was incredible. Um, I personally learned a lot though. I don't plan on breastfeeding anymore because I'm done with kids for now. I hope, um, (laughs) you know, I, (laughs) I'm sure that this information is going to help out so many new parents, new moms. So thank you for your wisdom and for inspiring us all today. Well, thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Well, I will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to bumobrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.